Hey, we're in uh, part two of a series uh, called On the Road Again. We're going through the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 16. And the reason we're calling it On the Road Again is because the character we're following right now, his name is Paul, and Paul has gone on a mission trip. He went to Asia Minor, he came back, and now he's on his second journey. And so that's why we're calling On the Road Again. On the Road Again. And, um, but today I want to start off with, uh, with a question that some of you might have thought of. Maybe not everybody here has thought about it, but I think it's an important question to deal with, which is this. Have you ever felt God leading you away from your calling? Have you ever felt God leading you away from God's calling? And this is weird because a calling typically is something that God gives you, right? And for those of you who haven't been to church or you're not familiar with this thing called calling, you could call, we could call it something else. We could call it like your reasons for, for existence. Like, I was put on this earth for this reason, whatever that might be. And you're thinking, how could God lead me away from the thing that God put me on this earth for? Right? But, you know, I've heard stories, and I could attest to it myself, too, that I was convinced that I was here for a certain purpose, and it seems like the circumstances in my life is leading me away from those things. Like, maybe you were called to be an architect, and you wanted to get into this school so you could become an architect, but you couldn't get in, and you're like, God, is this what you have for my life? Like, is this what you want me to do? Like, oh, you know, I, I thought you wanted me to do something that's related to art, but it seems that you really want me to go into the sciences. Like, I, why are you leading me away from my calling, or maybe if the word calling doesn't fit you know, your vernacular, then maybe think about it like, um, like your passion. You have a passion, and after a while, you're convinced that this passion was given to you by God. And for some reason, you're being driven away from it. Maybe you felt like you're supposed to live somewhere else, but the circumstances in life keeps you where you are, and you're like, what? God, maybe I'm not called to go there. Like, God, are you overriding my calling? Is that what you're doing? Or maybe I got the calling wrong. Maybe I wasn't seeking God, but how do I explain this passion? Like, ever since I was a little kid, I always loved doing these things. Are you telling me, God, that all that was just me not being who I was meant to be? Like, what? have you ever felt like God was calling you away or leading you away from what you thought your purpose in life was? And so we want to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about that by looking at the life of Paul the Apostle, one of the main characters of the Bible. And he has this really interesting story because, like, like I mentioned before, he already went on his first mission trip, and, his, and the reason he's going on these mission trips is for two reasons. Number one, well, for, he's a Jew, and Jews, they read the Old Testament because that's the only testament they had, right? And when they read through it, there are prophecies in there about a coming Messiah, this chosen one, right? And so he's, he's like, the Messiah actually showed up. I want to tell everybody about it. And as it turns out, there's a lot of Jews living outside of Israel. So he's like, my calling in life, my purpose, number one, is to go to these other Jews in these synagogues that are outside of Israel and tell them, hey, guys, guess what? Messiah showed up. Really? Where is he? Well, we, we kind of killed him. Like, oh, so what, what did he teach us? What, what, did he, what did he want us to do? And this is the second reason why he's... He, this is his second passion. This is the second thing that he's called to do. He wants to tell everybody about the new way that we're supposed to connect with God now. That all those rules in the Old Testament that kept us separated from the people around us, the, the rules in the Old Testament that made us feel like we're better than them, he's like, none of those commandments apply anymore. And I need to tell everybody about it. So he's traveling outside of Israel, telling all these other people about, like, Jews, I, I need to tell you. Jesus already came, the Messiah already came, and he taught us that there's a new way of connecting with God. 
Those are the two things that Paul really, really wanted to just get in people's heads, especially the people who are Jews who are living outside of Israel. So this is what he did. Here's a map. In case you have no idea where this story takes place, this is Europe and this is Africa. Middle East is over there. Mediterranean Sea right here. On the very east coast right here, this is where the story takes place. This is where Israel is. Okay, next slide. But our story takes place a few, 300 miles north of Israel in a place called Antioch. And he travels to Derby, Lystra. There's Iconium here. There's Poseidon, Antioch over here. And he gets to, so that region is called Galatia. He gets to a place called Phrygia. And at this point, there's like a fork in the road. Which way am I supposed to go? Now, according to Paul's passion, his calling, the thing that he thought he was put on this earth to do, he knows that the further he moves away from Israel, which is down here somewhere, the further he moves away from it, the less Jews he's going to come across, the less synagogues there are. Like his plan was, I'm going to show up to these different places on Saturday, because that's their Sabbath, go to their synagogue, and because I have a reputation, because I have the credentials, and because I'm like high up the ladder of this Jewish world, if I show up in a synagogue, I will have automatically, I will have an audience, and they will listen to every word I have to say. And boom, I'm going to tell them like, yeah, guess what? Jesus showed up already. He's the Messiah. And number two, we connect to God in a different way. Boom, right? That was his plan. So when he comes to the fork in the road here, he's thinking, I'm not going to go more west because the more west I go, the further I'm going from Israel and the closer I am to the Roman Empire, which are the people who are trying to kill us. So I think I'm supposed to go south because Israel is kind of south, right? Like I'm supposed to go here. And this region right here is called Asia. I know it's different from the Asia we know today. We call this Asia Minor, right? But he was like, I think I'm supposed to go south towards Asia. But then this happens. Next slide. Paul and his companions travel throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. But God, I thought the reason I'm on this earth is to talk to these Jews who are outside of Israel. And if I can't go down there, then where am I supposed to go? I mean, I'm pretty convinced that it's the Holy Spirit that's keeping me from going there. Now, there's a lot of scholars who disagree on what's actually happening here. Like, what does it mean that the Holy Spirit is keeping me from preaching the word in the province of Asia? Like, did he have a dream? Like, like God's like, hey, Paul, you're not supposed to go south. <laughs> or is it that he actually went to Asia and he showed up at the synagogue and there was zero people there? They're like, huh. This is the most ineffective <laughs> ministry of my life. Like maybe he, there was a circumstance that, that didn't work for him. And he's like, maybe God doesn't want me to be here. We don't know. Luke, does, who wrote this, he doesn't tell us what this means. But all we know is that Paul is now convinced that it's God's will for him not to go to Asia Minor. But that, but that was my passion. Oh, maybe there's Jews in other places. So he's like, I'm not going to go more west because the closer I get to Rome, the scarier it is, the less, least, less Jews there are. So maybe I'm supposed to, next slide. Maybe instead of going south this way, maybe I'm supposed to go to up there, which is called Bithynia. Yeah, that must be it, because there might be a few more synagogues there, because we're not really moving westward, we're just going north. Okay, so let's see how that works out for Paul. Next slide. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Paul's like really confused. Like, well, I thought, are you sure you want me to go west? So I'll show you the map right now. So he couldn't go to Asia. He couldn't go to Bethania. So what does he do? Next slide. So he goes 
towards Mysia, which is up here, and then he goes all the way to the shores of Troas. And now he sees the Mediterranean Sea, or the Aegean Sea right here, in front of him, and he's like, I'm pretty sure there aren't any Jews over here. As a matter of fact, the journey from where he was in Phrygia to here, there's zero mention of any ministry, any synagogues, or any Jews. It just says, I was just following what I think God was telling me. Like I said, we don't know what that looked like. When it says that the spirit of Jesus was keeping him from entering into Bethania, I don't know what that looks like. But whatever it is, Paul's like, I, okay, God, you know, my passion, my calling, the reason, my reason for existence is supposed to be for reaching out to these people, but okay, I'm just going to trust you on this. And at this point, Paul must be thinking, and maybe you're thinking this, like, is God going to just wipe away everything, all my training from birth until now? Because he went through some of the most, like, ex exemplary schools to become the person that he is right now. He grew up reading scripture. He grew, you know, right? It's like, are you telling me, God, that all that was a mistake? Like, my calling is over here? Because, you know, the more west he goes, you know, right now he can use the scriptures to make an argument. He's like, well, as it says in First Chronicles chapter 4, blah, 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 blah. And be like, oh, yeah, you're so right, Paul. You know the Bible so well. The more west he goes, the less people care about scripture. He could say, you know, well, in Judges chapter 9, I said, you know, right? And they're like, we don't care about the book of Judges. What are you talking about? So he's like, the, the very tool set that I have to be effective in this world, you're stripping it away from me. Like, is God in the business of just overriding people's passions? Especially weird when you think that these passions might have been given to you by God himself. What is going on here? I mean, the question that he's, that's on his mind is this. Does God care about my passions, my hopes, and my dreams? Or is he in the business of saying, Paul, those dreams, no, I'm gonna kick it out of the way because we're gonna get you a new set of dreams. Like, is, is that, like, does he just like to disregard what we're excited about? Like, Paul's like, I'm pretty sure that was God who trained me and made, like, had me born to these parents and had me go to this school and had, like, I'm pretty sure that was God who did it, but are you telling me that, that was all for nothing? And maybe you've been in that situation. My whole life, I've been, I loved reading. You know, I wanted to be a teacher, but I don't know why, but God's leading me in a different direction. Are you telling me that that wasn't you that gave me the love for teaching? I, I love sports, you know, and I made a lot of friends through sports. Are you telling me, God, that that wasn't you that put that passion in my heart? I love working with my hands. God, are you telling me that that wasn't you? And maybe you guys have been in that situation. Maybe right now you're at a fork in the road and you're moving in a direction. You're like, are you telling me that the heart that I had for that country or that group of people that I thought I was going to be with, is, are you saying that that was me making a mistake, assuming the wrong things? Well, the answer is really interesting, but before we get there, let's continue the story because we discovered something really cool here. During the night, Paul had a vision from a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Macedonia? Macedonia, so remember, he's on the shore of Torres right now on the Aegean Sea. If you go across that Aegean Sea, you come to Macedonia. It's a big region. And he's like, that's in Europe. I've never been in Europe before. Are you sure that, I mean, there's less synagogues there, there's less Jews there. Um, it's closer to the Roman Empire, which I don't want to be near and no Jew wants to be near. Um, I have less credentials there. Are you sure? Like, I just had this weird dream and it, uh, I'm like, God, I was primed for synagogues. Like, are you sure this is where you want me to go? 
The very next verse, if you're an avid reader, if, you're very, if you pay close attention to what the scripture says, you're going to discover something interesting. Let's see if you catch it, okay? I also highlighted, highlighted it for you, too. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Did you guys catch that? What did you catch on this one? It's highlighted for you. We. Yeah, up until now, the author, Luke, he's been talking about Paul and Peter and Silas and Barnabas. All of a sudden, this is the first time in the book of Luke, a book of Acts, where we see the pronoun we. That's right. At this point in the story, Luke, the author, joins the team. Right now, we have Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We talked about that last week. They're the ones that are traveling around, around you know, these areas telling people about Jesus. And at this point in the story, Luke joins. Yeah. Luke, the guy who wrote the book of Luke, you know, we studied it for like four years, I think, in this church, right? right? He wrote the biography on Jesus, and now he's joining this team who's recording what's happening in the book of Luke. He's like, I'm not just hearing it secondhand now. I'm writing it down as I'm actually seeing it. Uh, this is really cool because some scholars think that it's at this point that he's like, Paul, Paul the apostle, I heard so much about you. Can I join you on your little trip because... Yeah, like, what, what, what's happened so far? Wait, hold on, let me write this down. And you know, Paul's like, okay, well, um, we're like in the middle of a story right now. There's like 16 chapters you have to catch up on. It's like, don't worry, I'll write it down. And then he's like, okay, and we are now in Troas. Like, okay, now you can continue to chronicle what's happening in this story. Like, this is what's happening here. And not only that, in some of the later writings of Paul, we discover that Paul has some physical ailments. And in these ailments, we discover that he needs a doctor. And as it turns out, Luke, he's not just a historian. He's also a doctor, a medical doctor. So it really helps Paul that Luke is joining this group. So at this point, Paul's like, wait a minute. Maybe God is up to something here. Maybe there's like this plan that God has for me. But it's not like the, you know, like I still have my passions. The thing that I think I'm put on this earth to do. But I think God's trying to do something here. He's trying to teach me something. So he has this open mind, right? So this is what happens next. So from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Semothris. And the next day we went to Neapolis. Uh, Neapolis. Okay, so here's the map again. So from Troas, he travels through these islands. That's Semothris right over there. And he comes to the port city right here of Neapolis. Now, about eight miles north of Neapolis, is another city called Philippi. You guys probably heard of that place. Philippi is the most important city in Macedonia. And the reason it is, is because, well, okay, for those of you who live in LA, um, we have like a little Tokyo and a Chinatown and a Koreatown, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And it's not the real Japan. Uh, in NorCal, you know, in San Francisco, you have Japantown. And, and it's not the real Japan, it's not the real China, it's not the real Korea, but it's the closest thing that we have to actually going to China, Japan, Korea, right? Like, like you have people who speak the language, you have some stores that are like, oh, I can't find this food anywhere else but this town, right? That is what Philippi is to Rome. It's like little Rome. And if somebody were to come into Chinatown, Koreatown, or Japantown, and they start vandalizing it and stuff like that, then we would start to assume, oh, this person doesn't like Japanese, Chinese, or Koreans, right? In the same way, if you vandalize, if you make any kind of offense in Philippi, Romans will get really offended by it because they're like, hey, you're messing with, if you mess with little Rome, you're messing with Rome, you know? So that's the city that he's in. 
This is the place that Paul didn't want to go because this is where the Roman Empire flourished, right? Like everybody here is like, hail Caesar. As a matter of fact, a lot of the people who fought wars for Caesar, when they decided to retire, they gave them land to live here in Philippi. So there's a lot of ex-soldiers who are extremely loyal to Caesar. Like, so like, you want to make sure you're in your best behavior here, right? So this is where Paul is right now. And Paul's like, I do not want to be here. But for some reason, God <clears throat> wants me to be here. Maybe there's some Jews here. Maybe there's a synagogue here. So let's see what happens when he's here in Philippi. From there, we travel to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. Now, he's not there for several days because he's like, ooh, I want to see this town. Oh, you know, like, hey, look, I want to check out that restaurant tomorrow and that restaurant the next day. He wasn't there because he was a tourist. He was there because he probably got there early in the week and he wanted to wait until the Sabbath day so that he could go and visit the local synagogue. But as it turns out, Paul's looking around, like maybe it's Tuesday now, he's looking around, he's like, where is the synagogue? It's Wednesday, he's asking around, have you guys seen a synagogue around here? And by Friday, he's like, I guess there's no synagogue here. Now, in the Jewish world, there's this rule that says, you need at least 10 men to gather in a city if you want to have a synagogue. So Paul comes to this conclusion that there aren't even, in a big city like Philippi, there's not even 10 guys who are Jews. I'm like, why did you bring me here, God? Like, and then he hears a little whisper. He hears people talking about that there is an assembly of Jews, but it's not a synagogue because they're not men, they're women. And because they don't have a place to meet, they have been meeting outside the, the, the gates of Philippi. So he's like, okay, well, on Saturday, I'll go check them out. And that's what the next verse is. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Place of prayer is a title that was given to a group of Jews who didn't have a synagogue. So it's like not the official synagogue, but it's like a semi-synagogue. Okay, so he went there, and, so, and we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. He's looking around, it's like, not even 10 guys are here. This, it's all women. You remember back in that, those days, right? Men had more authority, well, maybe even today. But Paul, being a Christian now, he's like, women are just as important in the kingdom of God at, than as men. So you know what? I'm not going to be like, I have no point talking to you guys. I'm going to talk to these women and I'm going to see what God's going to do. Again, he's thinking in his mind, why did God bring me here? My passion is back in Asia Minor. Like, what, what am I doing here? Well, as it turns out, there's somebody that's there that makes the world a difference. Next verse. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia. Quick note, we don't know if this is her real name. Back in those days, especially people like Luke who were historians, if they were to write a story about something that's just happening right here, right now, and by putting somebody's name in there could hurt somebody's reputation, they would use a different name. It says here that this Lydia character is from a place called Thyatira, which is actually a city, a prominent city in the region called Lydia. So chances are, you know, Luke is like, well, she's from Lydia, so we'll just call her Lydia from now, okay? So it's like, she's from Lydia. What else do we know about her? It says here that she was a worshiper of God. What that means is she's not a Jew. She is a Gentile who is interested in the God of the Jews, the God of, of Paul. So she's like, hey, I know this is a gathering of, you know, Jewish women right now, but I'm just here because I, I'm interested in this stuff, right? And what else do we know? She's a dealer of purple cloth. Why is that important? 
Purple was a very rare, purple dye was a very rare thing to have back then. Uh, there's a certain type of shellfish where you have to excrete a little bit of purple dye from. It's said that you need a quarter of a million shellfish in order to get one ounce of purple dye. And it's mostly found in Thyatira. Now they're extinct. That's how, like, you, you can't get that shellfish anymore. That's how rare this is. So you can imagine that the people that she did business with are people who were extremely rich or royalty or both. So Lydia has connections to rich people and also kings, queens, royalty, okay? And it says that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Paul is sitting there with everybody, the women, and telling them, hey, guys, this is... Uh, you know, and you know, I don't know if, how many of you guys are literate. I don't know how many of you guys know about the Jewish scriptures, but you know, there's this Messiah that we've been waiting for, and he, it turns out he came. And he's trying his best to explain to these people who may not know as much about the Bible as he and his background, and his people would. And he says, oh, and by the way, there's this new thing, the way that we connect to God. Um, there, you know, the rules in the Old Testament, we're not bound by them anymore. So the, it's open door. Whoever wants to come to Jesus, it's open to everybody. Now, Let's find out a little bit more about Lydia here. Here's a map of Philippi again. Lydia is from Thyatira, which is where? Asia Minor. She's from here. She has a business where she travels from Thyatira, Asia Minor, to Philippi, back and forth, back and forth. She has residence in both places. She has influence in Asia where Paul was ineffective. She already has connections to other businesses. She has connections to residents. She has connections to other influencers in both up here and down here. Well, let's see what else happens to Lydia. It says this. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. And, you know, they do the usual Eastern culture thing, which is this. Next slide. He says, you're like, oh, we don't, that's okay. You don't, we don't have to go. And she's like, no, if you consider me a believer in the, in the Lord, she says, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Okay, here's a little more cultural background for you guys, if you didn't know. If you are a non-slave woman, which Lydia was, not a slave, you need to have, at, this is a Roman rule, you need at least three kids in order to conduct business. So we know that Lydia at this point had at least three kids and a husband and her, that's five people in her household at least. She might have more kids than that. She's inviting four fully grown men into her house. That's at least nine people. And she's saying, come over to my house and stay here for a while. That means that her house is huge. It's like an enormous place. She is a successful businesswoman. I'm getting an idea what kind of person Lydia is, okay? And so this whole time, Paul's thinking, but my passion is with the Jews in Asia Minor, like, God, why are you leading me over here to Philippi? But this is the, 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 the light bulb moment that he had. This is what he discovered. Next slide. God led Paul away from Asia to meet a woman from Asia who had a bigger influence in Asia than Paul. I mean, this is huge. He's thinking, like, he's like, why would God not let me enter into Asia? God's like, well, if you really care about the people in Asia, I have somebody that could do a better job at that than you. I mean, if you just could imagine the dialogue that Paul had with God, it's this. Paul's like this. Paul says, I want to teach in Asia. I want to tell people about Jesus there. God's response, he's like, let me send you two people. Number one, let me send you Luke, who wrote the biography of Jesus and Paul's travels. His writings are going to spread to the world one day. 
yeah, you're, you're thinking like Asia Minor. <laughs> I'm going to send it to like everywhere. And not only that, I sent you Lydia. Lydia, who is going to take your message, Paul, and he's going to send, and he, she's going to sh- share it with the most influential people in Asia and in Philippi. And now your message is going to spread through all the places that you wanted to go in the first place. And because you follow my instructions to, 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 to Macedonia, well, now, you know what you were able to accomplish? This is what he was able to accomplish. Paul planted the first European church. If you're wondering what the first European church was, because I know everybody's wondering that, right? <laughs> it's this church right here. Paul planted the first European church, and the first member was a successful international businesswoman. And in Paul's mind, he's thinking, this can't be any more perfect. Why? Because Paul is a Jew who comes from a culture where you can't be, you can't be, you can't belong to a, a, a religious organization unless you're a man who is a Jew. And now we have a f- follower of Yahweh, right? A, the Jewish God. We have a church in Europe that is led by a woman, right? And and this is like, I, this is like the first church that is not anything like the church. That, 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 that Jews will ever imagine a church to look like. And I love that. And then and God would probably say, Paul, and I'm not done yet. I'm not done with you yet. There's so much more to your story that we haven't read yet, but there's so much more to your story, and I'm going to keep taking your passion, and I'm going to keep shaping it. He's not here to wipe it out. He's here to shape it. As, as a matter of fact, the big discovery in this story is this, because, you know, everybody here has, has hopes and dreams, and you're wondering, is God going to just wipe everything away and start new? No, because we believe that the passion that you have right now is from God. That's how he created you. He planted that desire in your heart. If your heart breaks over a certain group of people, God gave you that heart. He's not like, I'm here to override your, your hopes and dreams and callings. No, 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 no. The big discovery is this, that Paul's passions were only partially realized. Paul's like, this is my passion, Asia Minor. Jews in Asia Minor, this is my passion. And God's like, you're right, it is. But that's only part of the picture. You actually are going to learn that this, you're going to have another passion over here. Your passion is actually bigger than what you have right now in your mind, in your heart. You're thinking, my passion is for this group of people. And they'll say, yes, you're right. You're right, but that's not the entirety of your passion. You haven't discovered it yet. But as you discover the other passions that I have for you, you're going to discover that your calling is not just to this, it's to something bigger. Yes, Paul, I know that you have a heart for the Jews. I know that your credentials make it so it's easier for you to teach the people in these synagogues. I get it. But eventually, I'm going to grow a new passion in you. That's for the Gentiles. And after a while, you're going to discover that your true passion is actually to bridge two cultures together. That is going to be your calling. But Paul doesn't know that yet. You're going to be a bridge. So let me ask that question again. Have you felt God leading you away from your calling? I was so certain that this is what I was supposed to do with my life. But God, you're pulling me away from something. He's not pulling you away from it because he thinks that your passion is trash. He's pulling you away because he's saying, no, your passion is bigger. You love doing this, that's great, but you know what? You might also love doing this, and one day you're going to discover that your passion is this big. Maybe one day you're like, hey, I want to start a band. That's my passion. You know, I'm going to you know, be famous, <laughs> right? 
I want to learn how to play keyboard and bass and you know drums. The drums, drummer's the, always the coolest one, you know. But then you discover that oh wait a minute, why is God pulling me away from this? Why is God pulling me? Away? Are you saying that that was for nothing? The passion for music that I had it wasn't from you, God. And I was like no 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 that was for me. Just wait, and you discover you love children, you love mentoring, and you realize wait a minute, my passion isn't just for music. It's also for discipling and caring and nurturing people. My passion is for science. I want to learn, I love biology, right? And then you feel like God's pulling you away from it. It's like, why, why is that? Why are you pulling me away from, from I thought I was going to be a doctor, you know? Like, why, why, why are you pulling me over here? And you discover, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I'm called to go and not maybe work in a hospital, but maybe go become a traveling nurse. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. I don't know your story. But this is the story of Paul. You were called to one thing, and your, his heart was so set on it until he discovered that he was called to something else. And then he put the two together and realized that God's plan for his life was a lot bigger than he imagined. Let me share a little quick story about myself and then we'll close. When I was younger, um, this is like when I was super young, I, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, I came from Japan and I didn't speak English. And so the way that I really connected with people was through drawings. So for like the first few years in elementary school, I would try to describe, if I have to go to the bathroom, I'll draw a toilet bowl and be like, I gotta go to the bathroom. You know, and that was the way that I really connected and connect, you know, told stories. And, but after a while, I got really good at drawing and I thought, you know what, when I grow up, I wanna be an animator. In, in high school, I, I started comic books and we, we would just make photocopies of it and we'll pass it around because we, I just love people smiling and laughing at the stories I told through comics. And I applied to art, art schools. Um, at, you know, I'm like, after high school, I want to go to CalArts, I want to go to Pasadena Art Center. And I got into all these schools. I sent in my portfolio, they accepted me. But my mom's like, Kotz, there's no money in art. So I became a pastor. <laughs> no, but, you know, because, <laughs> you know, we make a lot of money there. No, we don't. <laughs> but, um, but so I went to UCLA, and I was like, I need to rediscover what my calling is. Right? So I'm like, when I'm like, I don't know what major I'm going to do. I was undeclared for a very long time. And... You know, I was coming to my third and fourth year. I'm like, I need to find a major. So I'm like, I'll, I'll just do uh, Asian American studies because, you know, I'm Asian American. <laughs> and, but through that, I started learning about um, how certain populations of the Asian culture, they struggle with certain different things. And so my final paper that I wrote for that major was, why are there so many suicides amongst Japanese males? And that just birthed this, this, this thing in my heart that said, like, I really care about the Asian American community. Like, why... Why are they so, you know, why, why are they so hard on themselves? Why are they so shameful about certain things? Why would they want to take their lives so much, you know, so often, especially in Japan? So I had this new thing that was birthed in me, but at the same time, I was wondering, God, what about all that other stuff in my past? Am I supposed to just say that was for nothing? But over time, I started to discover that it wasn't just drawing that I loved. I mean, you could tell by my, like, all my textbooks, like on the corner, it's like a flip book. Um, all my tests and all the papers I had had drawings on it because I just love to draw all the time. And I'm like, was that for nothing? But as it turns out, what I discovered is as I was writing papers and stuff like that for, for my classes, I discovered that my true passion was actually telling stories. And if I could do that through drawings, then that's even better, 
right? And around that time, I started teaching Sunday school. And, and when I was teaching Sunday school, I would draw certain things because I had no idea how to tell these stories. And one day, I overslept. I rushed to church, and I realized that I forgot my drawings at home. So I was trying to describe, the, I remember very clearly, it was a story about Jesus walking in water and Peter getting out of the boat. And I'm like, you guys have to imagine that there's this boat, and there's all the disciples on it, and Jesus is like walking by and trying to describe what I drew from memory. And as I was telling that story without an aid of drawings, somebody walked in and said, have you ever considered preaching? I'm like, oh, never thought about that, right? And so I discovered that, you know, while I started with drawing, it, it, my real passion was I wanted to teach. I wanted to tell stories that changed people's lives. And so do you see how one passion, if I was just stuck on that one thing my whole life, I would have missed out on the bigger calling that God had for my life. Now, that's my story. And right now, maybe you have a job that has nothing to do with a passion that you, that you had growing up. But you don't know, because what you're doing right now might be contributing to the bigger passion that God originally had for you in the first place when he created you. Paul discovered by being stretched. Why, God? I don't want to. He kicked and screamed, I don't want to go that way. God, I'm supposed to be over here in Asia Minor. Why are you? Don't do that to me, man. God's like, well, you need to discover that there's more to your life than just this. What do you mean, just this? Like, you'll see what I'm talking about. So maybe you're in a place right now where you're not happy with your job, and maybe you're thinking about transferring, and if that's you, that's fine. Do that, okay? But don't take their experience right now and think that it's for nothing, because God could be teaching you and stretching you right now. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray for you guys.